Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. So Lord, we just thank you today for your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much as we speak your word, Father, that you help me. Father, uh, uh, we thank you, Lord God, that uh, you enable us to speak the word. Father, that you enable us to say things that penetrate hearts. It's your word going through us, Father. So we thank you for helping us get it out clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the last week uh, for this series that we've been on, and then we're going to start something new next month, or next week. Uh, but we've been talking about being supernatural, and so, I mean, even today is, is we had our, our missions offering, and if you're with us for the first time today, you might say, what a strange church that you do two offerings. Well, we only do two offerings once a month. Once a month we have a missions offering, and so uh, that's why we had two offerings today. But uh, we thank God that we're able to do two different Bible schools up in Papua New Guinea and train uh, those up there and you know they're getting trained to walk in the supernatural uh, learning who they are and how to walk in those kind of things so we've been talking about that so just a real quick re- review and you can get online and our at our church website and you can get all of this right on the website we had five weeks and this is what we talked about the first week we talked about more than human second week uh, uh, we talked about um, free supernaturally free from sin the third week, supernatural leadings. The, the, the um, fourth week, we had testimonies last week. It was wonderful that we heard how people take this and they take it out uh, from this place. And they go out and they actually walk in the supernatural and have supernatural results. And so this week, we want to just talk about that we all have a supply. Here's our text scriptures that we use as we were getting into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. Uh, this just jumped out at me. I was reading this, uh, I don't know how long ago, and this part jumped out at the end where it says, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And when that just jumped out to me, you know, uh, there's a way that the natural man that doesn't know Jesus Christ, there's a way they behave And then there is also a way that supernatural people behave. And then here's a few other uh, translations that we looked at. Uh, We looked at these translations. Uh, One of them says, the manner of men do walk. So there's a way that natural men walk and a way that supernatural men and women walk. And then uh, there's another translation that says, behaving yourselves after a human standard. So there's like human standards, and then there's God's standards. There's supernatural standards and fleshly standards. And then another translation said, are you not influenced by the flesh and behaving like unregenerate people? So there is a way that people that do not know Jesus, those people that are not born again, they're unregenerate, they're not regenerated, they're not, they don't have the life of God in them. There is a way that they, uh, they act, talk, behave. And then the, the other scripture, the, the last one, there's another one that says, are you, li- you're, you are living like people of the world. So it's a great thing that when we get saved, that even though we live in the world, we're not people of the world. We live in the world, but the Bible says we're not of the world. So none of us are of the world. We are not of this world, even though we are living here and walking. So uh, that, that's what we've been talking about along the lines of supernatural So today, we want to talk about that every joint has a supply. 
every joint. So like today, you know, like you guys are joints, okay? Now, for some of us that grew up with the joint era of marijuana, that sounds kind of funny. That, uh, that we're all joints, but you know, I'll show you the scripture where it says it in case you haven't seen the scripture. It's, it's, uh, and it's, I looked at a bunch of different translations and it's used in a number of the translations. So uh, other translations are used the word part, that you're part, but so we're using the word joint today. But uh, every Christian is a joint in the body of Christ. And I think the reason that that word was used because it really illustrates by the word joint that we're connected. There's like a connection between all of us, you know, and uh, and so everyone doing their part makes a difference for the big picture So here's a couple scriptures that we want to look at today first Peter 2 and verse number 5 It says you yourselves like living stones are built up a spiritual house Don't you like that? We're like living stones. So people of the world uh, the people that don't know Jesus. They're not living stones but we are living stones. And then it's like we're a spiritual house. So even though we're in a fleshly building right now and we're in our fleshly bodies, what we really are in sitting in this room is we're a spiritual house. That, that's that's one, uh, awesome, wonderful. To be a holy priesthood, then it says to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we're living, we're alive we're new creatures in Christ. And then here's the other scripture that we uh, get our, uh, the word joint from. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So actually... The more of us that contribute, the more growth there is, according to what that scripture says. So everyone giving out their part, and, uh, and we're going to talk about that today, uh, because sometimes you think, well, where, where can I give it out? You know, how and where and that. So we're going to just talk a little bit about that. But here's a few questions we'll answer, and then we'll move on. But here's a question, like, when do we, come, when do we become a joint, you know? And, you know, and, and for some of us that did that years ago, it's after you roll it. you got to roll it first. But, <laughs> but, um, but that's, that's not true right now for us. So when do we become a joint? <laughs> you know, and, and we become a joint as soon as we accept Jesus Christ as Lord. That's when we become a joint. So, uh, so I, I mean, I remember the day, and I just heard a testimony. Uh, somebody just told me a testimony yesterday uh, where they prayed with somebody uh, that got saved, and the person that got saved, there was a noticeable difference where they felt they felt God. Now you don't always feel God, but this person felt God, and and I know when I got saved, I mean I there I felt like a burden lifted off me, I, I, you know, and you don't and it does and if you don't feel anything, fine, but I it was a noticeable difference, and everything. I was changed from the inside out when I, I, my, my desires changed, you know, everything just changes around. So that's when I became a joint that day. And so every, everybody here, the day that you accepted Jesus Christ is when you became a joint. Okay. And, uh, and here's, here's a scripture. Uh, it says in Ephesians one and verse 13, it says in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed 
you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So as soon as we accept, we hear, uh, we believe, and then it says we are sealed. In other words, we are sealed into the body of Christ. We all become a part, we all become a joint, and we're put into the body of Christ. That's when it happens. So that's all we'll say about that. Here's another question. Then when can we give our, a supply out? Like after you become a joint, when can you give a supply out? When, how soon? And, uh, you know, you, and it's kind of like this. As soon as you accept Jesus Christ, as soon as you accept him and become a joint, you can go tell somebody else about him. As soon as you know something, you can give out what you know. And, uh, and I, I think you see that in John chapter 4 and verse 29. This lady, as soon as she heard from Jesus, it, she ran to her friends and she said, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? I mean, she, as soon as she got something from Jesus, she went and told everyone about it. So as soon as you accept Jesus, you become a joint. And then when can you start sharing and giving out a supply? You can do it really quick. Because whatever you know, as soon as you know something, you can share it. And that's what we see here. So um, today, uh, well, even before I say that, you know, I was recently, I was over in Perth, uh, Western Australia a couple weeks ago, and I went to a, a conference uh, that was for, uh, at, uh, like, learning further education for ministry, and, and so there was pastors there, and they, we were, it was non-denominational, so in other words, I mean, we're sitting there with pastors from, they were all, we were the body of Christ, and we're all mixed, and I, I really enjoy settings like that, and uh, so... I was out at lunch with a couple guys that were definitely not the same as us. And so when I'm sitting there at lunch with them, they said, well, they somehow brought up being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And they were, I think they were waiting to see my answer. And so I said, hey, you know, you guys, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and you confess him as Lord, we're in the body of Christ together and we're going to spend eternity in heaven. And they go, I'm so glad you said that. And I said, why? And they said, well, because other people, they, they almost made us doubt we were saved, you know, because we're not filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. And so I actually referred to the scripture that I just read that as soon as you believe and confess Jesus, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So you're in the body of Christ, and we're all going to go to heaven, and we're going to spend eternity together. And they were really happy about that, that that's that I wasn't going to exclude them or, or talk down on them or anything like that. And it's amazing that if when you talk like that, then they're more open to hear what you have to say about the Holy Spirit. But if I would have reacted and just said, oh man, you guys are substandard, you know, you don't know, where the, you don't know anything about the power, you know. You know, you know so, and some people have those kind of attitudes and they don't honor and respect the rest of the body. And... You know, people, when you love somebody and respect them, they want to hear what you have to say. When you belittle them and look down on them, they really don't hear what you want to say. They, they don't want to listen. So it's important, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the day, about how can we share our supply with people? Because there's ways that we can do that to be more effective. But I just wanted to bring that up because then after that, they were receptive. So because they were receptive, I said, you know, at first, when I got saved, I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, but I, I saw the difference. And I said, and I do want to say that we're going to spend eternity together in heaven, but after I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I spoke in tongues, after I was baptized like that, I said, there was a noticeable difference, and it was beneficial. I said, it was, it's beneficial for down here on the earth. 
It's beneficial for down here on the earth. I said, you know, when we get to heaven, you know, we won't need that, but it's really beneficial for down here. So they listened. It was like, uh, and it was, it was good. So with that in mind, we want to look at two things today. Um, we just want to simply look at ministering from our platform and then what we have to give, okay? So here's the first thing we want to look at today is like ministering from our platform. And the word platform came into my heart. So by platform, you know, what we're talking about there is the place we give our supply from. The place we give our supply from. Ministering from our platform. And so I think this scripture helps us to see what I'm, what I'm I, I mean, I, I, the only reason I'm saying it because I saw it in the Word. That's how I got this. I didn't come up with it on my own. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 21, uh, look at what it says. It says, you were called as a slave do not worry about it, but if indeed you are able to be free, make the most of the opportunity. Then it says, but the one who was called in the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freedman. In the same way, the one who was called as a free person is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. In whatever situation someone was called brothers and sisters, let him remain in it with God. Now, I think this, you think, how do, how, what is all that about? How does that tie into what you're saying? Well, it's really amazing here because these guys that were slaves, men and women here, that was like a platform. That was where they were planted. Now, I mean, if you get saved and you're, you know, selling drugs and doing stuff like that, you need to change professions, <laughs> you know, so this advice is for people not in that category so if you're like doing illegal things get out you know but but here it's interesting because it says like you're a slave now an interesting thing to note that as soon as Jesus Christ becomes your Lord you are free from every person and you are free from everything you know I'll say it one more time as soon as Jesus becomes Lord everyone is free from every person and, and free from everything. It doesn't mean we're all independent and we don't have any accountability. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is, like, he's telling these slaves, you know, once, you're, once, you, are, once you accept Jesus, you're free. You're nobody's slave except Jesus is, you're Christ's slave. That's what it's saying here. So that is like really when we understand as Christians because we're cleansed of our sins, the cleansing of our sins frees us from everything. As soon as somebody accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and they're cleansed from their sin, they are totally free, even if they're a slave. That's what that's talking about. Okay, so, I, so with that in mind, you know, here's just a few thoughts about this because we're talking about this platform. Like, what platform do we share the word from? Okay, so you'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, but it's very interesting because when you look at this scripture, it's not about what they do here, but it was about who they were and what they had it wasn't about what they were doing it was about who they were and what they had now with that I these statements just came into my heart and I think wow these things just came into my heart like this and I said man God loves people because I didn't even have to work to get these statements they just went right into my spirit for today so here's the first thing that came into my heart the place we are planted is the platform from which our supply comes the place that we are planted is, that is the platform from which our supply comes. So he's telling these that are slaves, don't worry about it. 
you can stay there. You're free if you're cleansed of sin. But you have, that's your platform. So now you're slaves, and I'm sure your owners are going to see how different you are now that Jesus is Lord. And so don't worry about it. If you can't get free, you're, you're still free because you're free from sin, but there's a platform. You can get your slave, the owner, your owner saved. That was like their platform. Wherever you are is your platform. That's what we see there. And then this came into my heart. The place we are planted isn't the source of our supply. So the place that all of us are planted is not like the source of our supply. Now, now, like even for me to apply that, just because I stand behind a pulpit and I pastor a church, the church, the pulpit, position, the title, that is not the source of my supply. That's That's not the source. So what you do and where you're planted is not the source of your supply, okay? And then this came into my heart next. The place we are planted is the opportunity for our supply. Okay, so the place that you are planted, that is the opportunity for your supply, wherever that is. And then this last thing came into my heart. The source of our supply is who we are and what we have in Christ. That's the source. So I I heard somebody say once that they... um, they were going to minister somewhere and they were going to minister a certain area and they said this statement, they said, well, I don't have a position or title uh, on what I'm going to minister. I really wonder if I can minister. And I thought, whoa, you know, like you don't have to have positions and titles. I mean, if you're able to minister that to somebody, minister it. Because the position and the title is not the source of the supply. But who you are and what you have in Christ, that is the source of the supply. Okay? So, he, so to make this even easier to understand, you, remember, you know, David and Goliath, okay? So this is a really good way to see it in the Bible. David was the, the younger, small brother, you know, and he was out with sheep. He, that was his platform, he was planted in the wilderness with a few sheep, okay? And he made the most of his opportunity where he was planted, all right? So look at in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 34, it says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it from out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So here's David. Now, his brothers were with Saul, the king, Saul had a title and a position. He was king. His brothers had, they were in the army. They had titles and positions in the army. They had armor, and they were out facing Goliath. You know, they were there. David, you know, he's with sheep. He's the younger one taking care of sheep in the wilderness, okay? 
but he made the most of his platform. He made the, the most of the place he was at. So when a lion came, he killed the lion. When, when a bear came, he killed the bear. What is that? Well, it's like he's using what he has where he is. Okay, so then his father says to go, you know, go check on your brothers and take him some cheese and some various things. And he goes to check on his brothers. And here's the guy from the wilderness that's taking care of some sheep. And immediately he's totally different than Saul in the army. And it's interesting because wherever you're planted, you can spend time with God. David's out with the sheep and he's spending time and fellowshipping with God and he's knowing who God is and he and anytime you get to know who God is you discover who you are I mean we find ourselves when we find out who Jesus is and what he's done and we discover ourselves in Christ that's when we really find out who we are and that's when we find out what we have and that's what we find out we, we can do so David you know he had knowledge of God he's out there spending time with God so he comes up uh, and he says who's this uncircumcised Philistine Saul, title and position, king, you know, important title position. He, he was total, totally in fear. Shepherd boy, spending time with God, totally not afraid. Yeah. Titles and positions don't amount to a hill of beans, really. Denomin, you know, I, and we, we, we have a denomination, we respect, we respect it all, having papers in a denomination doesn't amount to a hill of beans. I mean, I know for myself, if I don't spend time with God, who am I? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm helpless without him. It's not a title position or anything like that. It's, you know, it's time with him and his word and doing his word. And so you see that here. Uh, so David, you know, planted in the world, he made the most of his platform by worshiping God and meditating on God's word. He knew God and he knew God's plans, and he knew what God wanted to do. He found himself in that place. So these statements came into my spirit here too. Uh, David had no title or position in Saul's army, but he had knowledge of God and even the covenant of God. He had knowledge of God and God's covenant. So without a title and a position, he's the one that slayed the giant. So we're talking about doesn't matter where you're planted. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters like if you know who you are and what you have. That's, that's the big thing right here. And so then David, another thing that came in, is David didn't focus on his platform, but instead he focused on his identity. Does that make sense? So sometimes people will focus on the platform. They'll say, well, I'm doing this right now, and this doesn't seem very important. You know, if you ever start thinking that way, you're focusing on the wrong thing. I'm doing this right now, and it doesn't seem very important. Well, you're focusing on what you're doing, and you're not focusing on your identity. David did not focus on it. And so while he was doing what he was doing, and his brother even belittled him, his older brother, when he came, his brother said, what are you doing here? And he said, you, why aren't you out in the wilderness with those few sheep? His brother belittled him, saying, you know, you should be out in the wilderness taking care of those few sheep. We're with Saul, the king, titles, positions, we're the army. You're just a, you know, he belittled him. But David was focusing on who he was, who God is, 
and all that. And David came out of the wilderness with a different kind of power. It wasn't based on a title or position or anything like that. It was based on knowing who he was, okay? And you see that there. So, um, so that, that's, you know, that we, we, um, we can't spend much more time on that, but I just really encourage everyone. We'll, we'll say a few things later on here as we close up, but focus on who you are. Focus on what you have. Focus on who you are in Christ. Don't focus on what you do. You know, and, and everything will turn out right. Uh, here's, here's the other thing we want to talk about today. The second thing is like what we have to give. And, and, you know, and it ties together. You know, David's out in the wilderness spending time with God, very aware of God and very aware of his covenant. He had something to give. He had something to give. You know, uh, even just, you know, thinking like you, you could uh, think this way, well, I'm doing this right now. It's not very important. I'm just, I can't, I hope, the, I hope the time just flies by. Just, you know, I just want the time. I can't, I don't know how many years I have to do this, you know. And, and I know I can, I can describe all of that because God had me doing things for a long time and, and uh, I could have thought that way very easily. And you just think, man, just can't wait for the day. Can't wait to get done with this. You know, but I, I don't think David ever thought that way. I think David made use of his time. He made the best of his time, okay? So because of that, he had something to give. Now look at Acts, you know, what we have to give. That's the, so look at Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. It says, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have do I give. I do have, sorry, I'm used to the King James Version. Let me try this again in the English Standard Version. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Okay, so what, what you see there is like we can only give what we have. So if you focus on your platform and where you're planted and you don't focus on your identity and you even get a sour attitude about your, your, where you are, then that's what you, that's what you have to give. So I told you about before I was a Christian and I worked in a machine shop and I, was, I never wanted to be really a machinist, but my father told me to be a machinist, so I'm doing it for him and I, I did it. I became a machinist, but I'm the most miserable machinist in the place. And every other word out of my mouth was a cuss word and they told me I should just curse God and die. You know, but that's because I was meditating on the wrong stuff. I wasn't a Christian either. But, you know, you can be a Christian and you can, you can get focused on the wrong thing. But when we, we stay focused on our identity, who we are, what we have, what we can do, who we are in Christ, that, that is staying focused on there means that you're going to be fruitful no matter what you're doing. And so you see that. Peter said, Whatever, I, what, I, what I have to give, I can give it. Okay, so uh, with that in mind, you know, when I was over in Perth, I was telling you about sitting with those pastors, and I was telling them that, you know, after I confessed Jesus, you know, no doubt about it, I became a Christian, and I still wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues, but I was a Christian, and we'd spend eternity together. But then I made this point to him. I said, yet... After I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, there was a notice, there was, it, was, it was different. There was a noticeable difference in my life. It was a blessing. So I want to just read this to you because we're talking about two things today. Our platform, that's where we're planted, the place that we give out of, but then we're talking also in, in, about what we have to give. So here's an interesting thing. that uh, This is uh, from a book called The Revival Legacy of Smith Wigglesworth. Okay, and uh, it's, 
The guy that wrote this was Gary B. McGee. Okay, so how's that at Smith Wigglesworth, Gary B. McGee? How's that for tongue twisters? Um, it was, you know, just a little side thought here. You know, we lived in Italy for 10 years, and the Italians, the way they pronounce things, uh, we had guest speakers coming, and we, and we would quote Smith Wigglesworth, and sometimes when you heard how they, the Italians struggled to say Smith Wigglesworth, my, my cheeky brother-in-law kept saying it on purpose because he was wanting them to struggle as they said Smith Wigglesworth. But I, you know, it's a real tongue twister for the Italians that speak that language. But anyway, Smith Wigglesworth, here's this, te- it's, it's, uh, I'm going to read this to you, and it's so interesting. It says, in, sp- in spite of Wigglesworth's physical strength, he was kind of a bigger guy, strong in the natural, he lacked self-confidence. He couldn't speak from the pulpit for more than two or three minutes before breaking down in tears and asking someone else to finish for him, okay? Polly was the preacher in the family. Polly was his wife, okay? For Smith, these were years of intense personal struggle, which unfortunately result, resulted in a time of spiritual coldness. Nevertheless, his family grew. He and Polly had five children, and his prospering business was flooded with calls. He was a plumber, and his business was uh, prospering. And then the next chapter is called When the Fire Fell, okay? So two uh, stirring spiritual experiences changed him and his ministry forever. Number one, in 1893, uh, while attending one of the famous higher life conferences at the resort town of Keswick, the equivalent of an American camp meeting, he testified to being sanctified or baptized in the Spirit as taught by the Keswick preachers. That was the first thing that happened to him. Secondly, a greater turning point in his life occurred in 1907. He heard that people were receiving the Holy Spirit at Sunderland and decided to go and see for himself. Convinced that he had already gotten the Pentecostal baptism, he grew discouraged while attending the services at All Saints Anglican Church. Though slain in the Spirit several times, his spiritual hunger became even more intense. Finally, after four days of seeking to speak in tongues, he decided to go home, but first stopped by the parsonage to say goodbye. Mary Bodie, the vicar's wife, said, Brother Wigglesworth, it is not the tongues you need, but the baptism. I'm going to read that, say that twice. Brother Wigglesworth, it is not the tongues you need, but the baptism. If you will allow God to baptize you, the other will be all right. Although protesting that he had previously been baptized, he asked her to lay hands on him and pray that that he would receive. And and I thought about, I I actually almost cried when I was reading this. This lady had no idea what she ignited when she helped Smith Wigglesworth get filled with the Spirit. I I still, it almost still, I got goosebumps all over right now and I still want to cry. This lady affected the body of Christ in a huge way when she prayed for Smith Wigglesworth. Whoa, we never know who we're praying for and what they're going to end up doing. So after she had did so and unexpectedly left the room, the fire fell. He recalled, the joy was so great that when I came to utter it, my tongue failed and I began to worship God in other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. After arriving home, he found that Polly doubted his new experience she claimed she was as much spirit baptized as him without speaking in tongues. 
I have been preaching for 20 years, she asserted, and you have sat beside me on the platform. But on Sunday, you will preach yourself, and I'll see what there is in it. (laughs) The next Sunday, he entered the pulpit and prompted by the Spirit, preached from Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. The bold, and the, flu- the bold and fluent preaching uh, that came forth startled his wife as he sat in the back of the mission, speaking in a voice loud enough that everyone around heard. Polly sputtered, that's not my Smith, Lord. That's not my Smith. Uh, so you, you see that it makes a big difference. Polly was filled with the Spirit soon after, and the Boland Street mission changed dramatically. They continued in ministry until Polly's death six years later in 1913. Unknown to Wigglesworth, that humble beginning had ignited a preaching ministry that eventually would take him around the world, and we're, we've all been affected by it, at least, I mean, most of us have been affected by that. You know, um, even uh, we lived in the United States, but the, the person that we sat under that influenced me the most, he said he wore, I don't know how many covers off of Smith Wigglesworth books. This was a major thing that happened here. You know, being filled in the, with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about two things. You know, the platform, that's wherever you're planted, that's where you can give. But now we're talking about such as we have, we give. And, you know, it's always good to get enough. So just, I, I brought this up about three or four weeks ago, but these are the basics that Smith Wigglesworth gave in one of his books, and I want to remind us what they are. And he said, first, read the word. Second, consume the word until God, until it consumes you. Third, believe the word of God. And then fourth, act on the word. But you know, he got these after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he probably wouldn't have had this kind of revelation knowledge like he got until after. And so today, really, like when we uh, are singing our last song, you know, that's when our altars open up. And if, if you're with us today and you say, you know, hey, you know, this being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, I, I like to go. I mean, I really encourage it, you know, that you can be filled with the Spirit and speak in other tongues. Uh, it's, it's like you see that it says when the fire fell. That's when Smith Wigglesworth, the fire fell on him. You know, and God wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, you know. And uh, so just, you know, as we're getting ready to close today, here's just a few other things uh, that, that want to share that whatever kind of work or platform we have, we can work from that place. Okay, so no, it doesn't matter what you do. You can work from the place where you are. So David killed lions and bears from his platform, and it prepared him for Goliath. You know, I've always had a high respect, and I did children's ministry for a while, but I've always had a high respect for people that do children's ministry, uh, and I know it was challenging when I did it, and I, I didn't have enough training, you know, when I first did it, uh, and they backed me into the corner. You know, it's like, it's, you know, back in, in 1993, this happened to me, and I thought, whoa, I wasn't ready for that. But, you know, people that are willing to, and, you know, it's like our children's ministries at the end of that long hallway and our children's ministers, they're, they're in a room with those children. But, you know, those children get sick. 
Those children sometimes can come with sickness. They can have giants in their life. And our children's ministers, they're praying for that. They're teaching them the word and they're laying hands on them. I, I kind of liken it to David and Goliath. David was out where no one saw him, but he defeated the lion and he defeated the bear. And, you know, like you're back and maybe no one sees you back there, but they're ministering to the children and, and you know, and, and uh, praying for them to be healed and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, that's never wasted either. You know, you think, well, I, I, I want to minister to an adult, you know, but hey, sickness is the same on a child as is on an adult, you know, so um, I, I respect people that, uh, you know, right where you are, so there's like these different supplies, okay, so there's like a prayer supply, there's a healing supply, there's a ministry supply, there's all these different supplies, and then these supplies that we're talking about, they can be from different platforms. So there's people that are in business. There's like doctors uh, and, and lawyers. They have those. There's airline workers. There's admin people. There's animal people that uh, are, work with animals. There's bankers. There's painters. There's sparkies. There's chippies. Uh, how's that for Aussie? There's, and, and there's, there's uh, p- police. You know, uh, what is the one for police anyway? Huh? Coppers, okay. So there's all, no matter what, so I could go on and on and on, but every one of those, it's like, it's like platforms, you know, and from those platforms, that's where we can give out things. So just really quick in closing now, here's just some basics for giving out a supply. So just things to remember. So, you know, like, remember that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies and builds up. So anytime we're giving our supply out, always remember that, you know, knowledge will puff up, but love edifies, it builds up. Uh, Jesus was loaded with knowledge, but he was able to share potent, brief statements that penetrated people's hearts. Okay, so when you're sharing your supply, remember that. Uh, He wasn't, Jesus was never trying to impress people with knowledge, but he, he, he went somewhere. It was potent, it was brief, it penetrated people's hearts. And then, um, Jesus didn't waste words or wonder all over the place. People, especially in today's world, people appreciate where we're going and how long it takes to get there. It's, we're living in that kind of a world, so even when we share our supply, you know, people, they want to know, hey, where are you going and how long it's going to take to get there, okay? And then finally, that today, humility and compassion will open the door to greater outpourings. And, and so when we're sharing our supply, it's always like reminders, humility and compassion, that opens doors. Compassion will cause us to be accurate and effective because it will not be about us, but it'll be about bringing results. So as soon as we move into the compassion and love, it's not about, oh, you know, I, I moved in the word, I had a word and I, and I got, was anointed. It's not that, because as soon as you move into compassion and love, it isn't about how you moved in the spirit and how you were anointed and how good. It's no, it's now you're in compassion and love, it's about you have, you have a need and I feel I have compassion and I want, you to, I want to help you get that need met. You see what I'm saying? And it'll keep you accurate and it'll keep you concise and it'll help in so many different ways. Father, I thank you so much for today, Lord, uh, for the things, Father, that, uh, that uh, you gave to share, Lord. And I just pray, Father God, that we, uh, we uh, first of all, focus on our identity. And secondly, Lord, such as we have, we give. I just pray that we're a church family that wants more, that we desire more, that we're hungry, Lord. Thank, thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Today, uh, before we dismiss, uh, I just want to lead you in a prayer. 
And if you're with us today, this prayer that I want to lead you in, uh, you might say, well, Pastor Tony, you said a lot of things. I didn't quite understand everything. Well, it's so much easier to understand all things if Jesus is your Lord. And as I told you earlier, I remember the day clearly when I made Jesus Lord. And that's when I could start understanding spiritual things. And so there is a wonderful prayer that, uh, that Jesus just made. It. He just said, here's what Jesus said. He said, uh, if you believe that God raised me from the dead, that's what the Bible says, if we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and we confess that with our mouth and our heart, we shall be saved. It almost seems too easy because like, well, you know, a lot of most Christianity is the only religion in the whole world that's based upon what the founder did, not what we do. Every other thing is based on what we do, all the other religions. This one is based on what Jesus did. It's totally opposite. Jesus took your sins so you don't have to do it. And all we have to do then is believe that he's the Savior. We confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead and we're saved. Too good to be true. We want to pray that prayer. So if you're with us today, you have an opportunity to pray this prayer uh, and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. So I like to ask people to close their eyes when we do this. If, and the reason is because I know I closed my eyes when I prayed this prayer and I really concentrated because it says if you, if you confess Jesus and believe in your heart, when I close my eyes, it just helped me to believe it in my heart. So with eyes closed, we're going to say this prayer. And if you're with us today and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord, this is your time. Okay, so let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your Son. And Jesus, thank you for coming. You came for me because you love me. And you died for me because you love me. Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. Jesus, I call you Lord. Your Lord, Jesus. God raised you from the dead. You're now my Lord. You're welcome in my heart. Thank you for loving me. You first loved me, and now I love you. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.